blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. They are fast, faster than you could believe. Don't turn your back. Don't look away and don't blink. We're not looking at the statue. They're coming. Good luck. Don't you come! I am very, very sorry. It's up to you now. There is a world of time energy in there. They could feast on forever, but the damage they could do could switch off the sun. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode number 146 of Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and joining me on this podcast, welcome back for the second episode in a row, Nicole. Nicole, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? I can't complain. So it's been, you know what? I don't think you have a two-episode streak, so I'm going to say congratulations to us for having you on there two weeks in a row. Well, yeah, I mean, I wanted to be on more Martha episodes. It just, the timing didn't work out. But, you know, I'm always down to talk about Martha Jones. Hey, I can't. Hey, and we do have a Martha Jones in Series 4, so there you go. That's all I'm saying. Oh, true, true. So I heard a voice in the background, and I think that voice in the background belongs to none other than Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? I'm good, but... Yeah, you're right, because I can't keep my mouth shut, so it's a problem. But you, not on a podcast, though. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I listen to our, our episodes later. I, I often wonder if other podcasters do that. They go back and listen to their own shows. But I always listen I to them. Okay, so I feel better as long as Nicole's doing it. But I think we learn a lot. You, you learn, you know, and, and yeah. And I, I, I listen to ours, and I think, godly, Shut up. Anyway. No, don't shut okay. up. Keep no, talking. No, it's great. Keep blah, 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 blah. Great content. <laughs> and who was blah, 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 that blah, blah? That sounded like Clarence Brown. It did indeed. Clarence, how are you? It is I. It is I. Hi, guys. How you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know. Um, oops. Normally, it's good to be touched by Angel, but I'm not so sure in this episode. <laughs> so, we'll see. Yeah. It's yeah. Roma Downey. It's one thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think Roma Downey and Della Reese had like definitely left the building. Yes. Yeah. So. And I, for our younger listeners, we're talking. Yeah, exactly. We're all old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I only have one thing. I didn't think I had anything that was related to the news. But I just looked down at my phone, and I remember, Nicole, you posted something on social media about this in the last couple of days. And I just looked down at my phone before we started recording and saw that David Tennant does a podcast with dot, dot, dot. Oh, yes. Donna Noble, Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate. Yeah, that came out last night. So has anyone listened to it yet? I have. All right. So none. I have not. not. Because... I, I, I knew that Nicole had because she was responding by posting cute pictures of the two of them on Facebook. So I, said, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I take this like, to mean. <laughs> yeah, about as soon as it drops, I'll start checking around 10 o'clock and, and I'll try to get it. So I usually listen to it at least the same night at some point. Yeah. So I've listened to five minutes of it and I already started laughing in five <laughs> minutes. I mean, you know, the two of them just have – 
great chemistry. Definitely, definitely. So and you know, I own, but I still have not watched a video of their the production of Much Ado About Nothing, in which they oh, were in a Beatrice. I that, it's that so good. Bad figures, you know. Yeah. Good script, yeah. But um, <laughs> that's a playwright I always expect we'll hear more of one of these days. Oh, um, it sounds familiar. You know, one of those guys. But but yeah, I mean, they're perfect, and I I just uh, yeah. So you recommend it, huh? <laughs> Mm. Oh, I would definitely, it. definitely recommend it. I mean, it's, I mean, they're both very silly together and the format of the podcast is, it's just like two friends chatting. Right. So it's, it's fun. And I actually learned a lot about Catherine Tate that I didn't know. Like her stage name comes from Soap. Do you remember Soap? Really? The show? Oh, oh, yes. oh, The Tates and the, uh, oh God, I forgot the other family's name. That's but it was right. like, this is a story of the Tates and the That's other right. family. And, and yeah. And I loved that show when I was a kid. Yeah. And apparently she really loved it, too. And that's where she got her name. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. You know, Clarence and I had the opportunity to see her uh, in Pensacola a, a couple of weeks ago. And the I think the biggest thing that in, we were surprised about was she has never watched Doctor Who, even what she's done herself. Yeah, she was talking about that a bit on the podcast. It's just, she says it's just not her thing. She enjoyed doing it, but she didn't really like it. <laughs> it's totally surprising. Totally yeah. surprising. Yeah, yeah that, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's, <laughs> I just know that a lot of actors just, um, well, for one thing, they don't like watching their own work, uh, a lot of people, but, uh, but yeah, if it's, if it's not your chosen, over then yeah, you're not going to go out of your way to see it. It's, you, you got other things to do and, and she stays busy. Oh, yeah. And she actually says, as a, a small spoiler, that she assumed that fandom hated Donna because when she first started, some journalist said, you know, what do you feel about coming back on the show when everyone hates your character? And mm -hmm. so she just was like, oh, my God. And so she just assumed that everyone hated Donna wow. until recently when she started to go to more conventions. And she's like, <laughs> oh, my God, people are dressed up like my character and they seem to like me. And. Yeah, and, and David Tennant's like, you're a fan favorite, you know? Yeah, but, didn't um, know. She didn't know. But, you know, it's funny that you said that, Nicole, because I've actually said on here, when I first saw The Runaway Bride, I didn't like Donna. And I was one of those people who was wholeheartedly converted in Series 4 to her now being, I would say, definitely in my top five. Yeah, I, I think I was pretty much the same. Like, I didn't hate her in Runaway Bride, but I wasn't sure if that style of character was someone I was really into watching. And I'd never seen the Catherine Tate show. I'd never heard of her at that point. Mm. Um, but she really won me over in Series 4. Yeah. Yeah, same here. After when, you know, when I heard she was coming back as a companion, I thought, wow, how's that going to work? That's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot, but, huh. Yeah. Okay. You never know. Yeah, it's good work. But So I say, you know, that was really – well, actually, let me make one more comment of something you said, Lee. You made a comment about when we said that – well, we said that T Catherine Tate doesn't go back and watch her own stuff. And before that, when we were doing our introduction, you made a comment about going back and listening to our shows. I remember when we first started this back – now what? Three years, three, almost four years, yeah. somewhere yeah, about ago. 65 years ago. Yeah, yeah. 65,000 years ago. 
you had a conversation with me either voice or in writing where I had a big issue hearing my own voice at first. Mm, Yeah. And, Which I didn't understand, but yeah. But, but, but I can see where she's coming from because it took me at least probably 25 to 30 episodes before I actually got comfortable hearing my own voice. Yeah, mm. it's tough. I mean, especially like in my podcast, it's a, it's a solo podcast. So I'm editing my voice and I'm like listening to my voice for hours and hours and hours because <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. So it takes me forever yeah. to edit, you know, and so I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, my God, do I really sound like that? But then I don't know, you get used to it. And sometimes I get comments on it. People are like, I really like your voice. And I'm like, yeah. oh, OK, weird, but all right. But yeah, you just get used to it mostly. (laughs) It's twangy. I got a twang. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because uh, I've been working on relativity. Uh, I've been editing relativity today. So I've spent the day listening to Clarence Brown. Ah. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) And myself. Of course. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a pleasure. Yeah. (laughs) Cutting him in with, cutting him in with Scotty Moore as they're hunkered down. So. Spoilers, anyway. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Well, speaking uh, of which, is, is it that time? Is it? Yeah. So I say let's just get directly into why we're here tonight before, uh, you know, we blink and <laughs> this hour has gone completely by. What do you think? <clears throat> Sounds that was good, a good to me. Segue, huh? All right. Thank yeah. you, sir. I appreciate that. All right. Yeah, I always dance to the alarm, the spoilers alarm. It's my favorite part. Okay, cool. Because that is actually my favorite part, too. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody up on your feet. So here we go. If you have not seen this particular episode, if you have blinked and you are somewhere in the 1920s, or if you're here in 2019 with us, put us on pause. Go out. Watch this episode. Come back. Because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 I'm dancing. You just can't see me. Spoilers. (laughs) Happy dance. Yes. And I'm leaving that in the actual podcast. Just FYI. I don't care. Okay. Cool. (laughs) So... Guys, uh, we are back and we are back to review. Guess what? If you haven't figured it out already, blink. It is the 10th episode of the 2007 series of the British television program we all know as Doctor Who. It first aired on the 9th of June, 2007. So quick summary view, Clarence. What did you think of this episode? Loved it. Magnificent script. I mean, just a good story overall. You know, I, I think every facet of it was well crafted. And man, I can't imagine trying to shoot this because it's timey wimey, as you like to say. And complicated. It, yes. Yes. So I mean, I just found the script brilliant. And of course, the performances were off, off the chart. So yeah, I loved it. All right. Quick summary, Mr. Shackelford. What say you? Oh, I. You know, it's it's the episode that often turns up in social media when people are having discussions about where would you want to introduce uh, someone to the show. If they've never seen Doctor Who before, people will either say Rose or, depending on who it is, they may say Unearthly Child <laughs> or Blink. 
And um, I always I always wonder about that. Is this the place to jump on? Really? But but I think what they're saying is if you want to impress them with how amazing this show is, show them this. And that was my experience again, too, was it is an impressive episode. Yeah. So only problem is not enough Martha. Exactly. <laughs> I want to know if Nicole, Nicole agrees with that. Uh, not enough Martha. So, Nicole, what say you? Martha. Oh, what say me? Um, you know, I love the timey-wiminess of this story, which is where we got that term from. Um, I just, I know a lot of people complain about Moffat's, like, puzzle box style of writing. But for me, that just ticks all my boxes. Like, I love it. And I just think the story, it. I think it's genius. I know that um, Moffat wrote it mostly in the last minute, like he was supposed to do the Daleks and Manhattan story, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. But um, he did this one and he was worried about it. Now it was um, adapted from another story he had written, but he still like, he wrote it pretty quickly and he didn't think much of it. And it ended up being like, I think one of his greatest pieces. So I really love it. Okay. So I'm going to give my, quick summary view, and then I'm going to follow up on something Nicole just said. So my quick summary view, I will say it with one sentence. Moffat, please come back. Please, please <laughs> come back. Uh, it, 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 well, this is more than one sentence, but totally great. I mean, I can see why people say Blink is a good jumping on point for Doctor Who. Because it introduces the doctor and it actually kind of makes you wonder, ooh, I want to see more about the doctor. I want to see the doctor. You have just that little hint of the doctor. And I love that. But to follow up on what Nicole said, this was actually one of the quickest piece of writing that Moffat has ever done. He said that it went straight from the second draft with no notes to the script and tone meetings before going into production 10 days later. The script writing took uh, such little time to produce that Moffat claimed that Blink was such a tiniest sliver of his writing career and he couldn't remember making it. So, Lee, I have a question for you. From your point of view as someone who has written and produced and, as you mentioned earlier, edited a written work after it's being performed, what are your thoughts on this with him saying something that he took so little time with turned out to be, by fans, one of his greatest works? Uh, it's 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 wonderful that you asked that today because I was just thinking about this 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 afternoon. It's something that I'm working on and that I'm really struggling with. And it's it's interesting that that sometimes as a writer everything clicks that that things come to you kind of in a giant um, rush. You know, you're in the shower or whatever, and it all comes to you. And if you can get to a machine and you are uh, and, and you're not interrupted, you can get it all down. And it sounds like that's the experience he had. He had this inspiration of this complicated story. And he was able to, because he didn't have to go through this process of getting an outline approved and he didn't have to, you know, he he didn't have to take 10 meetings along the way. He just put it all down and it worked. You know, And sometimes that happens and, you know, more power to you when it does. It's just a, just a wonderful thing. Sometimes, sometimes an idea can be vetted to death and he he he, so he hit the jackpot 
he didn't have time for it to be made to fail. So it succeeded. It's uh, it's wonderful when that happens. Hmm. Good answer. Do yeah. I, I, do either of the other two of you have anything you want to add to the answer of that question? Well, I know he said that he um, he was kind of like throwing himself on a bomb because he was doing the Dr. Light story. So he pretty much went into it also thinking no one's really going to like this story. They're not going to pay attention to the story. It's just going to be like a filler. And it's just I wonder if part of it was he didn't put himself under a lot of pressure. You know, he was just like, I'm going to write this fun story and, you know, not put too much thought into it because, <laughs> um, you know, I'm a writer, too. I, I'm not a overthinking. writer, but sometimes, yeah, you can just overthink something and instead just if you just have fun with it, sometimes it comes out easier because you're not pressuring yourself over it. Mm. Yeah, do, do you feel like that's that's what happened here, that he he was able to be relieved of the pressure of writing for the doctor? He yeah, just gets to write yes. something fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously I don't know. I'm not psychic yeah. and you right. know, I don't have a, I don't have a TARDIS to go back and ask him at that time, but I would guess, I mean, that makes perfect sense as a creator. If you take that pressure off, sometimes that's really what you need. You Absolutely. just kind of just create and, and just do what you want. And then it's just about the joy of the creation. It's not about trying to fit into a particular box. And hmm. I don't mean that. But. Yep. But I'm glad you said that because that this is exactly the thing that struck me watching this episode again is that if if I can real imagine him sitting down saying, OK, I, I'm not going to write about the doctor and his companion. Um, so what is what is left in the show? If the doctor and his companion are not supposed to be in it, what makes it Doctor Who? The TARDIS. Yeah. So, and, so he, so he makes the TARDIS one of the heroes of the story, which I think is exactly. marvelous. Mm, good. Good. Yeah, because I think that's why a lot of people also like to say to start people off with this story is because while it doesn't have the doctor much in it, well, it does and it doesn't, but yeah. it's got thematically, it's got so much of the show in it as far as the time travel mm -hmm. and things happening out of order. And so it, it kind of has like the essence of the show without right. being like just like an episode of the show usually is. Yeah. And, and for me, I think it has more other things that I love about Doctor Who that maybe we don't get normally, hmm. which is the whole timey wimey thing oh, as yeah. we so stated here going forward. Um, but, but I love that stuff. And we just talked with some friends of mine about how that stuff, they hate the time thing, you know, in any, in any other show, not just Doctor Who, but that's <laughs> the stuff I gravitate to. Yeah. So, me so, too. Yeah. So I see that it being a plus, but also for people who have never seen Doctor Who to come into such a complicated story, it has to be a lot to get a hold of starting off with. And, and you know little about the Doctor after it's over. And it gave me an opportunity on another podcast that we do to quote Doctor Who. And I can never uh, not uh, complain about being able to quote Doctor Who. So, <laughs> yeah, I know nothing about that. <laughs> And I'll just add, like, on the writing, um, I think in my mind, looking at this, the complexity of this story, I just think it's just a stroke of genius is what I equate it to. Because for me to even, and I'm not a writer like you guys, but for me to even begin to try to formulate the complicated things in this episode, it would take me months of just thinking about it, you know? <laughs> And um, if he did this in such a short amount of time, it just uh, it just strikes me as genius. Agreed. 
agreed actually with all three of what, what all three of you said. I want to get actually into the story and I want to begin by asking a question about the tone or the vibe. And Clarence, I want to actually point this one to you first. If you were to describe the tone or the vibe that you felt watching this opening, how would you describe it? What vibe or tone would you give it? Mm, the opening as in the first visit to the Drummond's house? Yes. Um, why are you there, first of all? <laughs> but, you know, it's it's always creepy in a sense to... To, to not just, you know, we, we know the whole time thing is going on in this episode, but just to see your name written somewhere where you think, you know, how does this person even know about me? Why is it here? And and that kicks off the mystery going on for the rest of this episode, because it's this factor where this person who she doesn't know, who's a doctor, knows so much about her and she has can't even start to imagine how he has obtained this information and it kind of sets the stage going forward for the rest of the episode. Cole Baines. Nicole, what about you? What do you think? What kind of vibe did you feel at the beginning? Well, what I was thinking of was it kind of reminded me about there's, a, you know, grand history and especially in classic who have these really like creepy old houses that are, that are the setting for the story. And it kind of like was bringing those feelings up for me a little bit. And then, you know, you kind of give you know, she's just walking through the house and then she sees the doctor's writing and it just completely it's jarring and scary, but exciting at the same time, because even rewatching it, I just as soon as it you know goes into the credits, I'm like, I'm ready to go at that point because I want to know, like, how does the doctor know her name? How did he know to tell her to duck? You know, she almost didn't duck. She, we might have had a totally <laughs> different story of her getting knocked out and you know sent <laughs> now, to the past. Now, but that would have been a short story. <laughs> that would have been yeah. a very short story. It went to the credits and that was over. But um, I just like the, the kind of creepy feel. But it was interesting because the way it starts, you almost think it's going to be a horror story. And in some ways it is, but it kind of isn't. It's um, It's got a lot of different tones and genres kind of jumbled up and going on there okay lee what about you oh just uh, i can just ditto what um what clarence and nicole are saying it's a uh, uh it's a great uh um thriller movie vibe and how intriguing is it that um she unveils a name which we assume to be hers by her reaction you know that's just it's just wonderful <clears throat> i love it good deal well interesting that both Nicole and Clarence both said creepy because I had originally written down my vibe word as creepy and I went and changed it to haunted because I said, oh, well, creepy, that doesn't sound good enough. I need to change it to haunted. So I should have went with my gut and kept it creepy. <laughs> that's exactly but but also haunted. <laughs> yes, it was haunted. It yeah. could be both. Yeah. Do, do we know why she's even there? Well, she said that um, she likes, you know, old places because what does she said? Say something like sad is happy for deep people. Yes. You know, I think she just likes old rundown buildings. I think she was taking pictures, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. And she just I mean, I've been known to go through ruins of old buildings um, when I was a teenager. And, you know, just sometimes it's like kind of creepy. I mean, I was gothy too so i mean that kind of fit but um i think she just kind of 
thought it was an interesting building. Certainly didn't expect, you know, to have her name on the wall, but, <laughs> you know, but and maybe she was just drawn to it for some reason. I mean, who knows? Or even it could have been like uh, now I'm thinking of the the um, car garage scene. Maybe it was some local attraction or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe, you know, just kind of a local house that was maybe near her and people had all these stories about it. And maybe it, it kind of creeped her out, kind of like the, the house in Ghostlight always creeped out Ace um, and she would break into it when she was young. And then, of course, the doctor takes her back to figure out why it's weird. But it's it's almost a similar thing where it's just this place creeps you out and it's because there's something kind of time timey going on about it but yeah i don't know all right so nicole you said that you uh and you know when you were a teenager would go into you know these old abandoned houses put yourself in sally's shoes and you walk in and you're looking around and you see the name nic behind wallpaper and you start pulling it back and you see nicole written there Seriously, what would go through your mind at that point? I don't know. I mean, first of all, I don't know if I'd be pulling away the the, the wallpaper because I would think some poor person is going to fix this up later and they're going to hate me. But um, I I would definitely run really quickly out of there. Um, and it was the 80s, so I wouldn't have been able to, like, call anybody on a cell phone or anything <laughs> I might have ended up at a friend's house like she did where she just went to Kathy's house and was like, I totally need to talk to you. This place is scary. But yeah, that would have freaked me out. I think she handled it way better than I did. I mean, she was scared, but she kind of was intrigued as well. And while I would have been intrigued, I I don't know if I would have went back. I'm not sure. So I want to jump us into the next scene and, you know, if you're just watching the show, initially, I thought that she had gone home. You know, I didn't realize at first that she was actually in the uh, friend Kathy's apartment. So yes. question and Lee, I'm going to point this one to you. Who phoned someone from within their own freaking apartment? Right. Um I don't know. If, if you're trying not to scare somebody and it's one o'clock in the morning, yeah, yeah, I might do that. I'm trying to think if I've ever done it because it does make sense to me. But I, but I had the same thing. I was confused. We don't know these relationships yet. So we didn't know if this is Sally coming home and she's trying to get her roommate to come down and talk to her. But yeah. And then there's a guy I said, Oh, this must be yeah, the naked guy. Yeah. So that must be her boyfriend. No, that's her brother. Wait a minute. Whose house are we in here? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. But, but, but it does all get to clarified pretty quickly after that. And, and, you know, it settles down, but yeah. I would have think Kathy would have woken up hearing her come in the door. Thank you. Though, but I don't know. Mm. It is very odd. Yeah. But if she's used to having her brother living there, you know, he may, may have friends come and go. And, you know, I, I just can't wrap or what I couldn't wrap my head around was, if I know someone well enough to where they have a key to the place where I live, yeah. then I don't expect them to walk into my house and be inside my house and call me and say, hey, guess what? I'm here. Are you awake? Maybe she just wanted to hear that ringtone, you know. Remember old ringtones? Yes. <laughs> all, all five of them, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and and having had roommates uh, back in Hattiesburg, I will admit to doing this before instead of just going and banging down on the door, just you know, a polite call, time to go, wake up, you know. Uh, I've done okay. that before. All right. Yeah. Okay, I give you that. And I did for a while live with my sister as an adult, and uh, I can tell you, I always wore clothes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. No, no flying around the manhood. No, no. Yeah, he must no. be always naked because she knew right away that he was going to be naked. I mean, he could have come home from work and been. That's in right. Yeah, she did, didn't she? Yeah, yes, she did. She, yeah, that's it. He does that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I call that. When Larry met Sally. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I actually um, went and I read a couple of articles and one of them brought up a very good point. You know, you look at Sally while, let's just say, when she's seeing all of Larry and she doesn't even really make a comment like it phases her one way or the other. And the com the comment of why she was like that is think about our own minds. If we have seen something that either our brain can't accept or our brain is trying to process or whatever. Yes, she may have seen him in his birthday suit for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. but chances are that was the last thing on her mind because she's thinking of what in the heck's going on with this old house. Otherwise, yes. she wouldn't be there at 1 a.m. That's right. Yeah, she's distracted. So, I mean, she obviously, like, clocks that he's naked, and she does bring that up to him later when he's like, you look familiar, and she's like, it'll come to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> but it is it is lovely, isn't it, as a character detail, how in control of that situation she is. She's just, you know, she's not looking away. She's just meeting his gaze, like, it'll come to you. Yeah, will come to. So she's just, she's having fun with it. And then, yeah, you'll remember. Even, so even being a bit flirty, you know. I think she yeah. probably fancies him a little bit at that yeah. point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to move us into the next day when Kathy and Sally actually return to the house, basically to, I think, in uh, Sally's mind, to prove to herself and to Kathy that she's not crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's when we hear the I love old things that make me sad. And then we hear a doorbell. What did you guys think of this scene where the angel is simultaneously moving against Kathy right as this young gentleman comes to the door? What did you guys think of that? And I will just open it to the floor. Uh, whoever wants to take it first, have at it. I like the very old letter all sealed up. It reminded me of uh, the, uh, the the identical, really, uh, storytelling device in uh, Kyle's favorite movie, Return to the Future. Mm. Um, ah, yes, I remember that. Yeah, we're, we're giving him we're giving him <laughs> crap about the fact that he couldn't he couldn't remember the name of Back to the Future. Yeah, but, didn't I that, like but, just but didn't, unwinds like because you don't really know what's going on you're kind of like why is this guy here and he's like kind of confused too i mean he's just like grandma told me to come here on this day and i don't know what to do but i promised her and and then it's cutting back and forth to sally i mean to kathy and it's just 
this poor guy. I feel so bad for the grandson. Right. Like Malcolm, I think was his name. He was, he's just like, uh, she wants me to give you this. And she's like, are you crazy? This is a joke, right? You know, right. he's just In like, fact, she I, says, <laughs> she finally builds to this is sick. Yeah. And, and I, I understand where she's coming from, that this has got to be a, a prank and it's not funny. Right. And, uh, and, and he doesn't know what to say to that. It's not right. He, he didn't do it. It's, no. <laughs> it is, it's, uh, it is, it's a very interesting situation for him. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that Kathy actually gets to see her grandson, although she, she obviously doesn't know what's going on at, at that moment, but I'm pretty sure 60 some odd years down the line when she's old and, and passes off uh, this letter to him, she was like, yeah, yeah that, this is probably what happened. <laughs> you yeah, know? she probably remembers that happening. Yeah. Mm. I'll say that it would have, I'll just be honest, it, that would have freaked me out. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, the, the, the whole <laughs> idea of I'm, I'm walking in, um, you know, anywhere with anyone, somebody that you know, and you walk in and you're, t- you just had a conversation with that person, not mm-hmm. hours ago, but moments ago. She and thinks she's still in the house. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You're because you don't know something's happened that this person's gone because you, you know, think of, you know, you, you think that person's there with you. And in reality, you're getting this letter. I would think somebody's like, what are you up to? Who are you? Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. yeah. Did you take her or something? Like he was the one that did something to yeah. her. Mm hmm. Well, all I will say before we move on is speaking of Return to the Future, didn't that movie come out the same year as the third Star Trek movie, Return of the Empire? <laughs> yes. Oh that's that's the same. Hole. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> We're going down the dark path here. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one with the Daleks in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. The Daleks invasion of the Borg. Anyway, right. <laughs> so I you want, like that. Say so what now? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, especially the sequel. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of, I'm curious. What do you guys think of the idea of going to the police? Would you? You know, I was talking about that. I felt like somebody. If that were me, I would think, "Who's doing this to me?" You know, Clarence, I'll pose this one to you. Would you have gone to the police at that point or would you still think somebody's trying to play one or put one over on me? Mm, well, we see where that idea was pushed into Sally's head by the video. Um, Banjo, I think was his name. Yeah, he was watching some video and he made the obvious observation, which none of the characters usually do, usually do in movies is actually go to the police and he spouts it out and she does it. I don't know. I mean, she probably felt like her options were pretty limited at the time anyway. So in that sense, it seemed like maybe the right answer. But like what what should what she have done if not go to police? I don't know. So when what, she what did the police ahead. do as well, it's it's kind of a weird situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and she gets the response that you'd expect her to get. Her. Getting hit on. Oh, I'm, in, I'm, I'm just in. kidding. <laughs> hey, right. look, she was hot. Maybe. So, I mean, was, <laughs> no, short, but I mean, before that, hot. the let's have this again, miss. That, that, oh, that. That. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So let's talk a, a moment about Billy Shipton. What did we think? And I want to take the scene, the first meeting and the second meeting. I want to divide those. First meeting, Lee, 
What did you think of this first meeting between Billy and Sally? Well, uh, if you're writing a, a rom-com, this is what's called meet cute and uh, <laughs> meet cute. And they and they do indeed. It's very cute. And um and we get a lot of important story information as well. So it's not a waste of time. It's not just uh, being cute for the sake of being cute. We learn things that we really need to know. And then she she introduces herself to him as Sally Shipton, which I yeah. just think is adorable. <laughs> and she blushes and backs away. Don't don't look at me. Yeah, it's a great way to end the scene, not realizing that she's not going to see him like that ever again. It's uh, it's so lovely. Sad. It is. What did you think, Nicole? Honestly, my favorite bit about the scene, other than, you know, of course, of course, that it was very cute, was his comment when they go to the TARDIS about how the window's on the wrong size, because Moffat basically said that because that's been fan wank for years. Yes. That people are always on, like, you know, Rec Arts, Doctor Who, or Outpost Gallifrey or somewhere, and they're like, and the, wrong, the window's on the wrong size. So he, like, made it a plot point. Exactly. <laughs> I literally laughed out loud during that <laughs> scene. I was like, yes, I see you, Moffat. I see yes. you. Yes. <laughs> and well done. Well done. Yes, well done. But yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting thing that this case that he's on, because he's like, these are all these cars that have been left here, and I don't know what's going on either. So, you know, it is flirting, but he also kind of wants to get to the bottom of it. And so I, I like it, because as Lee said, it's it's information as well as just being cute. Yeah, I really liked him. I, I thought he was a good character. I had forgotten that he was in there such a brief amount of time but i liked how they set up the chemistry between them i liked the fact that they kind of had the attraction to each other and i think the two actors played the role played the part really well because they only had what maybe two minutes to establish a connection and to me they made a connection they they remained connected and that was cool and I I thought that they did that scene really, really well. And for some reason, the incidental music in the background, I don't know why, but reminded me a lot of Torchwood. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I don't think this has a Torchwood tie-in in any way, but there was just something about that incidental music, especially, I think, when... Y- you look out when she goes outside and she sees the weeping angels. It, I don't know. It just reminded me a little torch woodish, a little bit. Who knows? Torch woodish. <laughs> torch woodish. Torch woodish. It's a new series. It's a comedy series. <laughs> a spinoff. Torch woodish. Torch woodish. I actually love like the connection of the rain in the two scenes being back to back. Well, actually, moments away from each other. I love the connection with the rain, and I also love maybe. The, the connection with the statement that Billy made of because life is short and you are hot. He kind of makes the opposite statement at the, yeah. uh, in the yeah. next scene. Is life is long and you're hot. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't get that. You're, yeah. yeah. It's lovely. You know, the rain really struck me watching it this time too, just because sometimes I, I shell out of watching the show as a participant and just think about it from production terms. And, uh, <sighs> Having an exterior like that where it's raining is really complicated and difficult. And, and you know, it's it's just a lot easier to sit down with a pencil and mark out where the writer has said it's raining. You just say, no, it isn't. You know, <laughs> that's the easiest thing. But 
it's in dialogue. See, I wondered if they decided it was raining because when they needed that shot of her going across to from the video store to the police station, that it was raining. Yeah, I wondered if that was fake rain or not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So either they decided to keep it and maybe tweak the line so that he says it was raining that day we met too, if they had shot that scene afterwards. I don't know. That's just something I'd like to know. I have watched the uh, episode with the commentary track on, but they didn't mention it. So mm. I don't know. Have you seen that, by the way, the the commentary track? I haven't. I need to do that. I mean, I I've, I've heard the commentary from the DVD. It's, Is it's, it the – I guess well, it's the same commentary. Oh, that's that's what I mean, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't in a long time, but yeah. It's Murray Gold and, and Stephen Moffat. And, uh, yeah. So, and Murray Gold, right up front, by the way, asks him, so why don't the Weeping Angels just go get everybody while they're asleep? <laughs> uh, and Stimo <laughs> says, well, they they do. That's where that's what missing people are. They're people who fell asleep in the vicinity of a weeping angel. So so there it is, kids. Wow. Don't ever go to sleep. <laughs> ah, <laughs> interesting. <Yeah. laughs> so uh, Sally realizes that the key is to the TARDIS and she runs back in for the TARDIS. What 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 I don't get is if the weeping angels had the key all along and the TARDIS was once sitting outside the house. The Drumlin house. Why didn't they just use it then? I don't think they. I think what happened. I'm. I'm guessing, mm. but I think that the TARDIS was found and brought to the police station, and they found the key later. Like when they had the key in their hand that day, I think was when they found the key. Okay. They would have probably moved all the way to the TARDIS by that point. Otherwise. Mm. I'm just guessing that the, the mm. timeline's a little weird. But, yeah, but I'm, I yeah. almost want to go with what Clarence said, because at some point they had to send the doctor and Martha back in time. Right. So that being said, how did they, you know, they could be at the, the TARDIS. They could have been away from the TARDIS, but. But 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 he no. said he found the TARDIS at the the Billy said they found the TARDIS as well as all those empty cars at the house, didn't he? Ah, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they've they've towed it all to the police station. I wonder if the angels just didn't realize it was a time travel capsule at first, like a time travel vehicle. Like, mm. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, yeah, the chameleon circuit even works for them. Yeah. Hmm. And do we know how the do? do does anybody say how they got the key anyway? I don't think they do. So I do they wonder how it. they took it back to, like, they lift, I guess they lifted it out of the garage. I mean, somebody had yeah. to see that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just, yeah. Like, in the rain, these, like, angels yeah. carrying the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> like, but they are super fast, so maybe they just moved really fast. Uh, everybody was napping. Yeah. Yeah. There you That's go. Right. Everybody yeah. was taking a nap. It was a scene. Well, it's raining. You know, I, it's nice to take a nap in the rain. So, you know, I want to mention one other thing real quick about the rain. I didn't. You know, I'm going to assume. Let, let me say it this way. I'm going to assume that the rain was on purpose. Because I maybe overanalyzed it and was thinking, oh, wow, that was cool that they had it raining when they first met and that they had it raining when they second met. And she makes reference to it being the same rain because Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there going, wow, that's really sad. It's like the sky is crying. Yeah. 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 I I think you're exactly right. I I think that's why they went to the trouble to to make sure on the street, you know, to do the fake rain on the street for that, because 
it, it's just too good for it to not be raining. And the poignancy of that, that he says, wow, it was raining then too. And she says, no, that this is it. This is the same rain. Wow. Yeah, that's sad, man. Yeah, and he's 50 years older. (sighs) Yeah, not only that, his line saying, we would meet again one more time Mm. on the night I die. Yeah, this is the day he dies, and he knows. He knows. And she goes so far as to say that she will stay there with him. And then they show her with the rain and, you know, the, the bed that he was in, all the sheets and everything have been moved, and he's gone. Yeah, and the rain has ended. And the, oh, I didn't get that. Yeah, yeah. it stopped raining. See, that's sad. Yeah. So let's talk about something that wasn't sad. Let's talk about the conversation that was two-sided. What did we think about this conversation? The two—I'll call it the two-sided <laughs> conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, like what conversation isn't, but yeah, it's my favorite thing about the episode. You know, you you can you can keep the weeping angels for all of me, but I I, I love the the DVD Easter eggs and and the and and the way the conversation gets uh, created in reverse. That <laughs> the doctor ends up with the transcript of that. <laughs> it's just, I just think it's, that's the, that's the, that's this script's brilliant idea. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially cause it builds all the way through. You don't, when you first see it on the TVs at uh, Kathy's house, you're like, Oh, well, we know that's the doctor and Martha, but you don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. And then it's just, it keeps getting weirder and weirder. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's great. And, and I love that. He apparently responds to something she says. You're going, right. wait, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's like creeped out. Like, I am not having a good day here. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And I love that. You know, how do, how did you know what we were saying? And look to your left. <laughs> I thought that was a political statement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's, he's got a theory about all these things. You know? Yeah. I think it's a political statement. <laughs> he's talking about you. <laughs> I do actually. Well, I, I don't think I have it anymore, but I did have an Angels Have the Phone Box t-shirt from back around then. (laughs) So let me ask you guys about when they actually get into the TARDIS. And who I'm the we I'm talking about is when you, you see Sally and Larry, not Sally and Billy, because Billy, you know, has passed away at this point. And we see them actually get into the TARDIS and it's angels surrounding the TARDIS. We see them enter. What was your feelings on them going into the TARDIS? Any thoughts? Well, honestly, even the scene leading up to that with the the pointing at the light and the flickering and they were moving because that was like the blinking. It was it was like blinking with the lights going in and out. That completely was freaking me out. I was like, oh, my God. And so I feel like because of that scene, them going into the TARDIS was like this sigh of relief. You're like, okay, they're safe now. Right. You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but they're they're safe for the moment. And then the TARDIS goes transparent, and you can see the angels again. Oh my yeah. god! Not even the, oh. I was right there with Sally when she's yelling. She's like, "No, Doctor, no! Don't leave us!" So are we to believe the angels never look at each other? I guess that's a I fact now. Supposed to, yeah. Huh. So they can't be like, you know, do I look fat in this or that's really bad. It's really bad. Just ignore me. <laughs> it's a cruel joke they play on each other. Yes. <laughs> Their hair is all messed up and they just don't even know it. So if they're looking at each other, do they become real statues at that point? 
Yep. And, okay. and that's it. Apparently. They're done. Interesting. They're quantum locked. They're quantum locked forever. So, you know, obviously, you know, we've been talking about them from the very beginning of this episode, practically, which is the we or which are the weeping angels. And if you go back and you look at New Who, and I want to know what you guys think to the answer to this, or if you agree with me on this, is there any other New Who created bad guy, villains, set of monsters, whatever you want to call them, other than the Weeping Angels that have had more of a pop culture takeover per, per se become more known than the weeping angels in new who in new who i don't think so i know for a while the silence kind of had like a bit of popularity and people mm. still at um conventions like have marks on their arms and yeah. stuff but i don't think it's to the level of the weeping angels that that is a, a great the the whole conceit of the silence was great because it did make you uh, give you the opportunity to make an instant uh, cosplay costume as right. long as you've got a marker. Yeah. And uh, and also I you know we I I think most of us never get tired of the joke to, to talk about the silence and say the what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking silence about? Yeah, I don't know. I've never oh. seen any of those. No. Yeah. But they were just here. Who? Yeah. Who was? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know that I I think. A good testament of my question, Clarence, you and I know a gentleman um, from Ridgeland or from the same city that we're in, um, also on a podcast called uh, Dice Junkies, uh, that has a weeping angel tattoo on his arm. That's dedication. That is very much indeed dedication. So yeah. kudos to Mark. I guess. Can people look at his tattoo and only, be okay? Only once. Only yeah. once. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we can't forget the Weeping Angel uh, ornament that Lee Shockford gave me. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, and I made sure he had one on his Christmas tree. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but and the uh, image but, of an angel becomes an angel, so she's got to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> she does have her hands over her face. I think spoilers. <laughs> so that leads into an, a question that I have for you guys, which is, you know, we've been talking about statues. We've been talking about the weeping mm-hmm. angels. My question is, have you been able to look at statues the same way since? No. And that little montage at the end of, uh, you know, with the um, great Murray gold uh, theme building underneath it and so on. It, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, uh, a great kind of exclamation point on the episode. And every now and then I do see actual weeping angel statues. Um, and yeah, you certainly never see those the same way again. There's yeah. somebody, there's somebody in our neighborhood who's got one in her yard. And I always, I always want to say, Oh, somebody tell her. You know? <laughs> I feel like I read somewhere that Stephen Moffat at the time had one in his yard. Cause a lot of his ideas yeah. come from <laughs> his kids, like the crack in the ceiling was like in his son's room and, you know, just random stuff. And I'm just like, you were so mean, <laughs> you know, just like your poor child. <laughs> People are like, dad, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go outside now. Mm. Yeah. I-, I love how that end of the episode makes it feel like it could be real, you know, the little yeah. montage. And that's part of the things I love about this show called Stargate. Uh, it takes place now. So they have stuff like, you know, they'll be playing Nintendo DS one day and they'll be doing other stuff that happens in our current time. 
So I love it whenever a show kind of goes to lengths to kind of pit it in our current time frame. So I, I, I thought that was excellent the way they um, kind of made it feel a little more real at the end of the episode. Actually, one thing related to the angels being real um, from a production standpoint, I love that those are real people that are dressed as the angels because they look like statues. They I mean, do. they're really good. That makeup and everything. I, I was just I remember when I saw like a behind the scenes thing for the first time and I was like, those are people, you know, because they yeah. just it's really <laughs> good makeup. Yeah. Watching it again this time, I had to kind of back up and. And watch one little thing over and over again. The, in the shot where Sally comes over and takes the key. Oh from yeah, the, and, the, and, she, and it moves in the background. The angel behind I her moves. Yes, I played that for my wife. I really? was like, "Oh my god, that was so perfect." It's beautiful, isn't it? It's just great. Yes, and it's so subtle. Like if you're not looking in the background, I notice. notice. I, I had not noticed it before, but yeah. Mm. So I have a question for you guys. I know we have covered a lot of information. And Nicole, I think you may have had some trivia questions for us. Do you have any or have we already spoiled all your trivia questions? Well, I don't have questions. I just have random trivia stuff. I think we haven't gone over most of them. So should I just like bash them out? And Let's go for them? it. Go for Okay. Um, I, I guess we kind of mentioned this, that, um, it was adapted from a short story that he had written called, uh, What I Did on My Summer Holidays by Sally Sparrow. It was in the 2006 Doctor Who annual book. So, uh, that's where the original story right. comes from. But, uh, Sally Sparrow is young in it. I think she's like 12. It's, it's very different. And it's with the ninth Doctor. So, um, and we hope that, th that nobody hits on her then. Yeah, yeah. That would be very <laughs> awkward. Um, as mentioned in an earlier episode this season, uh, Carrie Mulligan was uh, nominated for an Oscar. Um, I did get that trivia, by yes, the way. Yes, you did. I know. That's okay. It's just Kyle's. Yeah. I'm just, I'm teasing. She's not maintaining her. I it's know. Fine. It was my fault. I was like, you all, you know, <laughs> uh, watching, uh, you know, the, um, the Enterprise Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm just going to yeah, keep I, going like, with this. I'm nice. totally teasing. I know, I know I keep saying it, but I just I think it's funny more than anything. But um, let's see. Oh, uh, Lucy Gaskell or Gaskell that plays Kathy Nightingale. Uh, that actress is married to Mark Bonner, and he was Jimmy in The Rebel Plush Almost People. So there's a little Doctor Who connection there. Nice. Um, Two classic Doctor Who callbacks. One was there's an actor named Richard Kant, and he played uh, the grandson, Malcolm Wainwright. And his father was Brian Kant, who was in Dalek's Master Plan and The Dominators. So that was pretty cool. Wow, way back then. Yeah, really old. And then Louis Mahoney, who played older, older Billy, was in Frontier in Space and Planet of Evil. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Um, as mentioned in my knock knock review on my podcast, because they use the same house and knock knock, uh, Wester Drumlin's, uh, the house is called Fields House in real life it is actually an Airbnb. You can, you can rent it for like 400 pounds a night. And it, I can't remember how many people it sleeps, but they've renovated it. And yeah, you can totally still like you can go and stay in that house which i think would be the most awesome doctor who party let's do it that let's would be awesome <laughs> um i was also remembering that back then 
Uh, Martha had a MySpace that was run by the BBC at the time. It was written by Joseph Lidster. So I was like rereading those blog entries. She had like a blog on a MySpace. It's not around anymore, but you can find where a fan kept all the old entries. So that was pretty cool. Um, I'm almost done. I'm sorry. No, keep going. (laughs) Um, Hetty McDonald was the director for this. And she Mm -hmm. is actually the, the, this is the first episode to be directed by a woman since Mark of the Ronnie. Mark of the Ronnie. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that was (laughs) like 22 years different. And then she later directed uh, magician's apprentice and which is familiar. So she did come back later to direct. Yeah, and maybe the good news about that is that she is by no means the last. Yes, yeah, exactly. So that is awesome. And then finally, that it won a Hugo Award that year for the Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form, because it's awesome. So I think that was all of my little trivia. Awesome. As I said, I'm a nerd. (laughs) No, 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 no. that is good. There's no room for nerds on this show. Out. (laughs) Okay, I'm going. Bye. Um, Yeah, and, and real quick, I just want to talk about you know, we have this thing where the angels are taking people into the past and on the face of it, you would think that would be a sad thing. But I think what they did in this story, which I really liked from from Kathy to Billy, um, it it was pretty much a positive story, even though mm-hmm. they got taken out of time, you know, in various months in the past. They all live fruitful lives. And yeah. and we Today, we think, oh, man, if I lived 20 years ago, I wouldn't make it. Or 50 years ago, it'd be horrible. You know, and, and they managed to go in the past and still, you know, live fruit. They lived on. I guess is the point. Yeah. yeah. She. I mean, Martha had to work in a shop to to take care of the <laughs> so, Take care of the doctor. Him. She, she yeah. was probably overworking you, at that point. She's like, I'm here to be a doctor. Wow. Come on. Yeah. And, and if we're believing this is a chronology, then she's got to still be stinging from having to be the housemaid at the boys. Right. Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. family of blood. I you know? So like how long they were in 1969. Cause there's a lot of conflicting information. Like on the MySpace, it says two weeks, I think, but I think Russell in a, a, a commentary for, I think it was 42 said they were there three months. Wow. So, but they've been there a while. And yeah, I actually, and that was one thing we didn't talk about. I love the little scene with Billy when he goes yeah. back and he runs into the doctor and Martha. She's just like, just, just nod when he stops talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so, but yeah. in his uh, timey wimey device or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. I was thinking like if push comes to shove, couldn't a doctor just live out all the days till he gets to the present time and then come back and get Martha? You know, one would think so. I mean, that's what I thought would, you know, potentially happen in uh, a girl in the fireplace. He could just, you know, eventually (laughs) get to, you know, his present time. Or um, there's a lot of fanfic around, like, what happened when they were stuck in 1969. And some people are like, he just ran into other doctors. But, of course, they were like, you lost the TARDIS. We're not going to give you a lift. Exactly. Yeah. And I think just real quick in this story, I love how. As far as the time story goes, it feels different in the fact that they're not trying to do something in the past to change the future. We're already in the future part of the story. And what is, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and they're not trying to alter that. But by how the story plays out, they do alter it. It's so confusing. I, I don't understand. <laughs> My brain hurts. <laughs> but, but what fun that the last time we see the doctor, 
he really doesn't understand what's happening, and Sally does. Yes. Isn't that great? Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Which, by the way, I mean, and I've, I've read fan fiction about this, too, but I want to see the four things in a lizard story with Martha with the bow and arrows. And mm. he's got the <laughs> and I'm like in the hatching migration thing. Like, I want to see that story. It just looks really cool. <laughs> there's there's something time sensitive about it, too. She's like, come yeah, on. Yeah, come on. Hurry go. Up. Hatching. It's about to start. <laughs> hey, big finish. We have a story for you. Exactly. If they haven't already done it. Huh? If they haven't already done it. So, yeah. yeah, and they haven't done it in the books either that I'm aware of. Because I read, huh. the, yeah, I read all the books and the the Martha ones. So, yep. Yeah. And I was thinking, if not for you know Kathy getting taken to the past, I would have loved to have seen the Sparrow and Nightingale show. I thought that would have been fun <laughs> as well. Yeah. I mean, we get the Sparrow and Nightingale bookstore. Yeah, we end up with store. that. So mm-hmm. similar, but yeah. <laughs> I love that uh, Kathy lied about her age, too. <laughs> yes. yeah, right. like, you yeah. said you were 18. Yeah. yeah. She quickly doing the math on the tombstone. <laughs> yeah. So do, do we understand? Do we? The angels take you back in time, but not in space. They don't move you in space, right? I guess not. Well, they did because they sent her yeah. out to the country. Oh, yeah. But hmm. I was I, yeah, I was hoping. They a hole. Yeah, which is the other end of the country. Right. So I. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's probably like if you think too much about it, it'll fall apart. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Yes. That's Repeat just like. to yourself. It's just a show. I, yes, I know. That's just like, you know, uh, the, the, the angels, I think at one point are mentioned to randomly take people to different places. And then in other times they can, you know, have enough residual energy to take you back just where they took somebody else. So, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. true. Or it's the same angel because remember they even said with the one that touched Billy was probably the same angel that touched uh, Martha and the doctor because uh, they true, were yes, the same place. Yeah. yeah, takes them to the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I couldn't help but to think of uh, Amy and Rory just a little bit. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh. Who? <laughs> yeah, who? <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't met them yet, but yeah, yeah. I I'll totally agree with you. Yep, and the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> And on that one, I think it would now would be a good time to say, and I have a good inkling that I might know what the answers to my question is about to be. But on a scale of one to five, Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. One to five, what give you for this one? Definitely a five. Um, And again, don't think about it too hard. You'll hurt your brain. (laughs) Definitely a five. All right. Nicole. What say ye? I am definitely a solid five on this one. All right. Lee Shackelford, what about you? Yeah, also five, despite the paucity of Mar- Martha in this. But, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, sad. Yeah. But Sally's awesome. But so. Sally is also completely awesome. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to, mm, I don't know, maybe stay with what you guys said and give it a five. I think hands down this episode, I can see why people say, if you've never watched Doctor Who, this is the first episode you need to watch if you want to get hooked. Excellent episode. Loved it. Solid, solid, solid five. So is there anything else in your notes before we wrap up that we have not talked about. So I'll just open the floor to everyone. Anything that you want to mention before we go around the table and say um, our final 
where we can be found on the internet. I do like that Sally only has 17 DVDs. That was funny. <laughs> then my wife did ask, she's like, do young people have DVDs anymore? Because I have a lot of physical media still because I, I actually prefer physical media. But I don't know if like people in their 20s or teens still have DVDs. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Nope. And I like that the timey-wimey device uh, apparently uh, boils an egg at 30 paces. Mm-hmm. Whether you want it to or not. Just yeah. Stay away from him. <laughs> Exploding <laughs> chickens. Yeah, we can only guess how he figured that one out. So <laughs> that would be awkward. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, let me say this about the DVD. Considering the fact this was 2007, probably 2006, when it was filmed, most likely, could it be that how prevalent at that time were DVDs? Because we obviously see video VHS tapes. So could it be that she only had a small DVD collection was because they had not risen quite to prominence yet. Hmm. When did the Matrix come out? I mean, a lot of this takes place in a DVD store. Yeah. That's called a DVD store. Ah, okay. Larry's very much a, he's definitely a movie buff, but I think she's just, I mean, a lot of people out there, they're just not into like books or CDs or DVDs or whatever. So she's just probably one of those people. It's not her thing. Yeah. Ah. Got you. All right. So let's go around the room and let's say where we can be found on the Internet. And, Nicole, I will start with you. All right. So um, I uh, sometimes <laughs> do a podcast called Terminus, uh, Doctor Who podcast uh, at Terminus.Libsyn.com. Um, I'm currently on hiatus, but I'm kind of like hanging out with you guys. So it's like kind of a semi hiatus, I guess. <laughs> um yeah, that's that's pretty much the best place to find me. Um, as discussed on the last episode, sometimes if you look up Terminus, I think it might take you to a Walking Dead podcast. That is not me. <laughs> so just Terminus Doctor Who podcast. That should get you there. So, yeah. yeah. All righty. Mr. Shackleford, what about you? I always like to point people to my radio drama Relativity, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts and at RelativityPodcast.com. And uh, my my personal site has been languishing for a long time. And this week, I finally decided to get in there and do some spring cleaning and spiff it up. So, you know, if you if you if you care for that sort of thing, you may enjoy what I've done at ShackelfordFreelance.com. So check that out, too. All right. Mr. Brown. It has a beautiful picture of me and Kyle and Clarence, if nothing else. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And Uh, I'm in the background just. Looking over your shoulders. She's in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you you were in the room when we took that, I think. Well, like like you know, Photoshop me in there. Or something. There you go. <laughs> hey, d- hey, don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Brown. What about you? If you are into tech, uh, tech news, tech updates, uh, check out techpedition.com, where me and my brother Carrie talk about tech, and we come on with our stories of the week each week. Which, uh, if you want to join us, join us live on Facebook.com slash TechPedition. Which I will have to give you guys a shout out. That was an interesting conversation on one of your previous recent episodes where you were talking about, I think it was a Google device that had a quote unquote hidden or not activated microphone, which I thought was an interesting conversation. So, yes, please, anyone listening, go check that out. 
And I will say, if anyone would like to find out other things that we are working on, you can go to discussingnetwork.com and check out all of our shows. And Nicole, thank you again for joining us for another review. Glad to have you. Clarence and Lee, as always, a pleasure to have you. And most importantly, it is always a pleasure for everyone listening who are subscribing to this show. Thank you very much. That's why we do this show is for people who are listening. So thank you. And we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?